Hello there. You're listening to Manufacturing Tomorrow, brought to you by the Ohio Manufacturing Institute at The Ohio State University. I'm Katherine Kelly, your host. Today, we are speaking with Jerry Godey, EY Global Advanced Manufacturing Sector Leader, EY Nottingham Spurk Innovation Hub Sponsor, and EY Global Coordinating Service Partner, with more than 30 years of experience helping global organizations with their strategy, growth, operations, and risk management needs. Jerry has led projects involving product and business model innovation, mergers and acquisitions, digital manufacturing and supply chain, as well as finance and back office transformations. Jerry received a BA in accounting from the University of Louisville. He is a certified public accountant and serves on several boards and committees. Jerry, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Catherine. Can you share a little bit about your multiple roles as uh, EY Global Advanced Manufacturing Sector Leader, as well as the EY Nottingham Spurk Innovation Hub Sponsor role? Yeah, happy to. Uh, I'll, I'll maybe start with uh, the global sector role. So I lead our advanced manufacturing sector, which includes uh, industrial product companies, uh, aerospace and defense companies, and chemical and advanced material companies. Uh, it's a, a more than a $3 billion business for us globally. Uh, one of our larger sectors in the firm. Uh, in addition, uh, as a part of our growth strategy and uh, continuing to look for ways to bring value to our clients, we opened up EY Nottingham Spurk Innovation Hub in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, we just passed our two-year anniversary, um, but uh, we we got to know the, the Nottingham Spurk um, folks uh, in 2017. They were uh, regional winners of Entrepreneur of the Year. We saw an opportunity to partner with them and really create an end-to-end solution that combines the role of the physical world with the digital world. And uh, we co-located uh, our innovation uh, capabilities with them. And as I mentioned, uh, opened up a couple of years ago. So uh, I also sponsor that. I probably spend two or three days a week with clients out uh, at EY Nottingham Spurk Innovation Hub. We've had uh, well over 1,800 company execs from all over the world uh, over the last couple of years um, you know, spend time with us really innovating, uh, whether it's external products or internal products. And then also uh, over the years have uh, been the coordinating partner on a number of very large uh, industrial and uh, automotive suppliers. Um, so hopefully it gives you a little bit better uh, perspective on what I do and uh, what I've done over the number of years. That does. And speaking of all those clients that you've been working with, how have um, changing client expectations influence the need for transformation in the manufacturing uh, industry from your standpoint? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, it's sort of interesting when we mentioned we've been open a couple of years. When we first started, I would say uh, a lot of our conversations were all about sort of improving operations, internal operations, and using new digital technologies to do that. Uh, I would say over the last um, maybe nine to 10 months, there's been a bit of a pivot and a focus on um, more uh, uh, more focus on connected products, more focus on, um, you know, we we have products there because we're talking more about industrial type products um, that are durable. Uh, you, you can connect them. You can um, you can gather data uh, from those products. And many companies have instinctively known to make them connectable, uh, but they're struggling with getting adoption. They're struggling with monetizing 
They're struggling with uh, offsetting the costs associated with making uh, them connected. And uh, we're helping them really monetize the value of data and uh, really think differently about not only making their products connectable, uh, but um, thinking about new revenue streams, participating in new value pools associated with that data uh, and the like. And that's been a real focus, I'd say, over the last um, you know nine or 10 months. And, and I could talk for the next hour or so on this particular topic. And I'm hoping we can, Catherine, by the way, dig a little deeper on this topic. I think I'll have to have you back so that we can talk about uh, each each topic because there's so much going on in manufacturing right now, especially with the you know sensors. I remember uh, taking a tour of Jurgens in Northeast Ohio and yes. you know taking those legacy machines and adding the sensors to them so they can collect that data and you know trying to to do a, a mix of you know those traditional um, machining along with the, the the new advanced manufacturing technologies. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot to talk about in this space, and there's so much um, uh, there's so much new value being created for manufacturers. But also, um, if 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 they don't get it right, they're going to miss out on the opportunity. And a lot of the downstream players, and even some of the upstream players, and even some of the tech companies, uh, are ultimately going to um, uh, you know they're going to they're they're going to own the data. They're going to uh, ultimately. Um, uh, also be the beneficiary of all that additional value. And I got a number of examples I'd even love to share that are so, you know, when clients come in, uh, I, again, I think they instinctively know they they need to think about connecting their products and they need to think differently about data, but they struggle a bit um, uh, primarily because, you know, they kind of have to run the business now. Uh, their customers aren't necessarily um you know, ready uh, for this big transformation quite yet, but they know they need to start making investments today that are going to provide some of these new capabilities in tomorrow. So it's a little bit of, you know, it's kind of a revenue bridge. It's, you know, where do you invest um, that makes it really difficult for companies um, understanding that, um, you know, there's some new investment required in these innovations to bring it all to life. And at the same time, they have an operation they got to run. So it's difficult to allocate capital. Do I allocate capital to improve my operation? Yes, of course you do. Um, at the same time, I need to allocate capital to sort of this these new uh, uh, new opportunities, new innovations, new value pools that are that are for, that are uh, emerging. That's a tough challenge um, uh, and, and a tough balancing act when there's such a focus on short term results. So that's what we're really helping companies with uh, these days. And you and I haven't even spoken specifically about AI or machine learning or digital mm. twins or oh. IoT or any of that. And, and so on a very um, macrocosmic level, you know, what in terms of the, the trends you are seeing that are shaping the future of manufacturing, which ones would you pick up out of that that swirling, <laughs> you know, <laughs> all those buzzwords, right, all, Catherine? Yeah, yeah. All of those, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I would say that um uh, you know, obviously, you know, everyone's talking about AI right now. Um, and, uh, you know, if you don't have the data, uh, and it, well, first, if you don't have connectivity uh, and you don't have the infrastructure in place, it's going to be very difficult to ever really, uh, you know, get the benefits um, uh, and, and, you know, execute on an AI strategy. Uh, but everyone knows it's coming and it's coming fast. So I would say that, you know, what most companies are very focused on right now is, you know, let's identify some of those use cases uh, that really matter. And, and I would highly encourage, uh, you know, companies to start there. Like, what are the problems you're trying to solve that you haven't been able to solve without some of these 
technologies and new emerging capabilities. Start there. And once you've done that, um, understand, okay, do we have the data that we need? Do we have access to the data? Um, is it reliable data? Uh, and then start to, you know, start to um, you know, determine whether you can really uh, leverage the full capability of some of these uh, AI uh, uh, technologies uh, and the like. And I'd say, you know, predictive maintenance. There's a number of areas that I've seen firsthand. You know, I'll maybe just share a few of those if I could. Please. You know, one, yeah, you know, one I would say, you know, for, in in our world, getting the forecasting right. In a world, you started out by saying, hey, what are we seeing with customers and, you know, customers being more demanding, wanting things more personalized, wanting to um, make sure that, you know, that we're all, uh, we all have higher expectations on what's available, when it'll be available, uh, lead times and all that good stuff. I, I would say start with, um, you know, really taking a hard look at forecasting because AI can really help with improving your forecasting of demand. Um, and uh, I'd you know, start there. Then I would say, um, you know, the quality side, uh, opportunity, uh, whether it's through visual inspection, there's a lot of techniques being used today in manufacturing um, that now the technology is really ready, capable and affordable, uh, where you could use visual inspection to identify quality issues sooner uh, in the process, upstream uh, in the process uh, to eliminate waste uh, and the like and warranty issues. Um, the, the third area I'd say we see a lot is around predictive maintenance um, or condition-based um, maintenance. Um, you know, this another area, you know, most companies are, a big, big issue is, you know, unplanned downtime. That's one issue. The second is, uh, even for those that have sort of moved to preventative maintenance, which is, which is great. It's a great next step. Uh, in certain cases, you, know, you may actually be doing too much maintenance, you know, um, and, and there may be an opportunity to use more condition-based and predictive maintenance to make sure that you're, uh, you're focusing your maintenance uh, on things that really need to be fixed um, and fixing them before things break down. Uh, um, so those are sort of three areas. Of, there's lots of different areas that are emerging. Those would be three areas that I would suggest, you know, say are rising to the top. And maybe on the product side, I'd say, you know, once you have data coming off of those products and you have a sense for how products are being used uh, and where cu your customers are primarily getting value from your products, products being physical, could be digital, could be could be a service as well. Uh, now you have the ability, again, to use that data, uh, apply AI uh, and really determine how to make significant, you know, some real improvements to the design um, and features uh, of your products as well. So lots of areas emerging, I'd say, in that space. And I never, all those different technologies you mentioned, we could spend a lot of time on all of them. I sort of jumped into AI. Can I maybe pick out one more? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, so maybe, um, you know, maybe the others I'll mention is, you know, uh, you know, industrial IoT. We've been talking a bit about, you know, the IoT and I mentioned you got to have connectivity, you got to have data, but, but also I think, um, you know, there's the, the, the world of industrial IoT and, and, and the sensorization in order to achieve that is, is really just exploded. Right. Um, which, you know, now all of a sudden um, you, you have the ability to, to not only have that data on the shop floor for the operator, uh, but you have the ability to have that data, uh, you know, for plant managers, for, uh, you know, folks um, at, at um, you know, maybe at a corporate office that can analyze results across a network. 
um, maybe even connections with your other partners um, upstream and downstream, uh, all of which uh, to sort of, again, improve productivity, efficiency, effectiveness, quality, um, uh, et cetera. So, I mean, the, the world of, you know, think about industrial, you know, you think about IoT, there's sort of the operation side of it for manufacturers. And then the side I get really excited about as well is on the product and the innovation side, where now we're getting, you know, we have products that are connected and we're staying in, you know, it's not just that one time asset sell or transaction sell to a client, but we, you know, we now um, can continue to service, continue to have that relationship and connectivity to those products in the hands of our customers. Uh, and we can continue to provide value by, uh, you know, with that, with that improved uh, connectivity. Are you seeing particular industries that uh, are handling these these transitions um, with the you know new manufacturing innovations and transformation? Well, um, do any rise to the top from from your perspective? Well, I think uh, I, I I think the these I'd say the value creation these new sort of value pools being created as I mentioned earlier. Um, are, are happening, um, uh, you know, at different different sort of you know time horizons here. I'd say like the automotive industry. I mean, all of us are driving our cars. They're very very connected. They've been connected for quite some time. Uh, and I would say the automotive industry has done a, a, a really good job. Um, and there's obviously some leaders uh, in the pack uh, in um, improving their operations. Um, and really having that, having the data from sort of product design all the way through to um, production, all the way through to servitization, all the way through to, you know, I'll call it controlling hardware with software for those of you that might have um, you know, an EV uh, in particular, uh, where uh, upgraded features can be pushed to you directly through software you don't even have to take it into a service station right so i mean that's that's that is in my mind um you know what a lot of industries are sort of you know moving toward is you know hardware controlled by software they have that type of connectivity to the hardware um i think that's the future and i'd say automotive is out in front i'd say a and d as well you know a and d has been doing this for quite some time as well and um, I'd even say some, you know, interesting business models that have been around a while and A&D, you know, power by the hour for jet engines, for instance, right? Uh, I'd say that you're going to see more and more of that uh, in other verticals um, as well. And then I'd say, you know, on the consumer, although I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself a consumer products uh, expert by no means. I'm more on the industrial side and more in the B2B world. But, I, you know, consumer product companies have had to go there, right? They've had to move more quickly and they have to be more agile um, uh, with uh, with their customer base. So I'd also say they're out in front. And then, you know, we're, we're catching up on the industrial side. We got a lot of work to do. I call it opportunity, right? We got a lot of opportunity um, uh, to continue to um, uh, improve uh, the use of these digital capabilities, both on the operation side and also uh, on the product innovation side. I'm sure you have clients who come in and know that they have to do, and you mentioned this earlier, uh, they have to do something to, you know, place innovation at the center of their digital transformation efforts, but they're still a little dubious. How do you convince them that it's crucial for them to do this? Yes. Uh, well, you know, it's interesting. It's a, it's a bit of a, um, uh, I would, I would call it a bit of a, of a, 
of a the spectrum. Um, it sort of starts out. I mentioned that most companies that come in recognize that they have to improve their operations with these digital technologies. Uh, they have to find ways, um, you know, whether it's making their supply chain more resilient because they have shortages over the years. Um, and they're thinking about, you know, the network of the future, um, uh, or you know, the 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 really the more important topic today is. Uh, you know, I use the word agility, but you know, it's really, you know, if something happens, how long does it take you to really change your production schedules and you know what you're going to make? Does it take you four or five weeks? Um, which isn't, you know, that, that's pretty common for manufacturers. It'll literally take them four or five weeks um to you know change what they otherwise would likely produce. But when they see that changing demand, can they can they actually use you know some of these new digital capabilities and technologies and planning systems and you know machine learning and AI? So they actually can in five or six days. You know they see they got a spike. There's a huge opportunity emerging. Uh, they have an opportunity now to really take advantage of that. Um, and you know that's why I think agility is so so important uh, with these new digital uh, capabilities. So a lot of companies come in, they understand they need to improve their agility, they need to improve their operations, they need improve productivity. Um, and then I would say through that process of understanding what they can do with their own internal operations, they now start to think about okay, how can we um, you know start to focus in on growth and innovation using these digital technologies. Uh, looking at our products. Um, and I would say that, um, as I mentioned, there's been a big pivot and a big shift over the last eight or nine months. You know, companies uh, focused on where or, you know, how are we going to grow? Um, and especially with, with many of our industries are being affected by energy transition, they're being affected by sustainability, they're being affected by new regulations. And they understand that the products today likely, you know, will not be the same products of tomorrow. And much of that is going to require that um, they're more connected, uh, they're more data-driven, uh, they're they're looking differently at, at even business models, um, which we can talk more about as well. Um, I know I can talk a long time about each of these things, and I apologize for these long answers, but there's there, these are these are complex issues our manufacturers are dealing with, Catherine. It is complex. And, you know, I, I would like to ask, you know, what are some other common sticking points you see with manufacturing companies when they're trying to uh, undergo, you know, any kind of transformation? I mean, how, how can they overcome yeah. those, um, those, you know, challenges? Yeah. I mean, the, the first, and I mentioned a little bit earlier, but let me just dig in a little bit more is the financial challenges, right? I mean, it's, mm -hmm. It's you're trying to run a, you know, it's it's this is a really tough time for manufacturers, um, in the sense that they look out into the future. They know, as I mentioned, that their product portfolios need to change. They know they need to go through a significant transformation. Um, at the same time, you know, there's there's a limited amount of capital, and how are they going to allocate that capital? And their boards, um, and some of these short term measures would say invest it all in, in today's operation, invest it all where you can actually see a return versus a little bit of the fuzziness on where are we going to go into the future as you know as as the market is is changing. Um, and how much should we be allocating to make sure that we're we're you know ready to 
to you know take advantage of the market opportunities that will emerge into the future. So the big thing is the financial challenges. Um, I would say that's first. I mean, second would probably you know I'd probably put operational and cultural challenges. And some of that um, obviously there's some overlap with what I just said. Very difficult. You know, many of these uh, manufacturers have been working in a space. Uh, where the core product, um, you know, has has kind of been stayed, you know, stood the test of time for many, 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 many years. Uh, now, all of a sudden, some of those core products are really being challenged, um, and they need to think more about um, more, you know, disruptive innovations and, and adjacencies and the like. And that's a, you know, that's a big, that's a big shift for a lot of our manufacturers that have conservative and rightfully so, but you know, conservative management styles um uh that uh you know if i've you know, obviously have served them well for many years many of these companies are 50 70 100 years old but now all of a sudden I need to think differently I need to think more like a startup for, with some of these new opportunities and new innovations um you know maybe the third i can go on with the whole long list but i'm gonna give you one more <laughs> uh you know the third the third one uh i would say is um you know it's not it's not easy when you have um uh, you know, the infrastructures that many of these manufacturers have. And what I mean by that is, you know, they have a lot of, you know, brownfield. I'll just, I'll stick, you can, you can pick any level you want, but I'll, maybe I'll pick the plants. And when you look at the plants and the factories, um, many of these, again, are 20, you know, some are, some are newer, but a lot of them have been around for quite some time. And they have lots of different equipment, some of which is digital ready, much of it isn't. Some of it's connected, a lot of it isn't. Um, they're running on lots of different systems, uh, whether it's manufacturing ex execution systems, whether it's engineering systems, um, whether we're talking about, uh, you know, OT and IT, you know, operational technology or information technology, it, it's like spaghetti. I mean, there's a lot going on. So now all of a sudden you sort of look at that and you want to tackle that and say, oh, we want to, you know, we want to become more, you know, sort of digital um, ready. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a difficult environment um, of knowing like where to start and, and how to like pull it all together. Um, and make progress, which is why I mentioned earlier to kind of focus in on some really high impact use cases first to, to tackle. And then from there, you know, you sort of tackle it, um, uh, you know, the big problem sort of, you know, you think big, start small. Um, and then you start to, to cascade um, some of the wins and successes uh, as you move along. Very doable, very achievable, but um, you know, there's it's it's not a it's not an easy environment to tackle for manufacturers. Many of our manufacturers. And uh, you mentioned you know uh, being more agile as as a, in the operations, and you know we look at something like rapid prototyping, you know, to anticipate those critical innovations. Of, um, you know, I think more about, you know, based on your experience, you know, what have you seen in terms of, of the key considerations that leaders need to adopt to, um, as, as you're talking about this mix of you know, traditional equipment, new equipment, thinking entrepreneurially, you know, what can they do to future-proof their manufacturing operations? Is there, can you even do that, future-proof it? Yeah, well, I, th I think you can. Yeah, absolutely. And I think some of these new 
you know, advancements uh, are very helpful. Um, you know, we've talked a lot uh, over the years uh, about, you know, 3D printing and, you know, advanced or additive manufacturing. Uh, it can be very helpful in prototyping. We're seeing it firsthand uh, out at our EY Nymesburg Innovation Hub. We're able to prototype things very, very quickly. Uh, and why, and, and, and I would say low fidelity types of prototypes. Um, you know, this is also kind of a cultural thing. Manufacturers are accustomed to want to create a pr prototype. Um, you know, what you need to really focus in on is what is, what do you need to go test it with a customer as soon as possible, get the learning uh, and then move forward as opposed to, um, you know, trying to create the, the ideal prototype that might take you know, several weeks or months longer, um, you need that information uh, as soon as you possibly can, need the learning. And then, you know, obviously you you learn from it, you you move forward because it worked or you modify. Again, you make low fidelity prototypes and you got to keep moving faster and faster and faster, continually talking with customers and working with customers to understand what's working and what's not um, and focusing on speed, trying to get, you know, out in front of your, uh, out in front of your customers and out in front of obviously uh, the competitive set as well uh, with, uh, with your different innovation. So I'd say, you know, there's prototyping as um, really, uh, you know, been, been enabled and improved by some of these new technologies, leveraging them. And again, uh, focusing in on lower fidelity for purposes of testing, getting information customers is really critical. Are there other strategies or examples you can highlight where companies have been successful in, uh, in their prototyping or in their operations in general? Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I would, um, I, I'm going to stay away from client names, um, if I could, maybe I'll just kind of give you a bit of, uh, but I'll give you enough information. Um, and, and I'll pick, I'll pick some different sectors as well. Uh, and, and hopefully these are ones that, that your audience all can sort of relate to, right? All right. Um, you know, one of the things you can do is, is, uh, you know, actually move some of the process or the manufacturing out closer to the edge or closer to the customers. Um, and we've all, you know, sort of seen, um, you know, beverage vending machines where you can go in and you can pick exactly what you want. I mean, if effectively they've moved the sort of the processing right out to the edge of manufacturing. I think it's a great, great innovation, right? Yes. Um, that is, that is leveraging, um, uh, again, uh, you know, some of these new technologies um, and data um, and putting it right out right out the edge. That would be one. A second one I would share is um, you think about, uh, you know, I think I can think of a shoe company. Um, and many of you, hopefully you're in the audience can think of the same, uh, where you can actually go in and customize exactly what you're look, exactly what you want that shoe to look like. Um, and they can actually produce a personalized shoe for you, get it to you, um, very, very quickly. Uh, uh, which again is in many cases relying on 3d printing, um, and, uh, a lot of these, uh, new technologies. And then I'll mention, um, maybe I'll go more to the industrial world where some of the big um, uh, automation control um, uh, companies um, are creating IoT operating platforms where you can actually, you know, uh, acquire the platform. I mentioned that, you know, a lot of companies have this spaghetti. They got lots and lots of different technologies that have been built up over the years. Uh, but we have seen um, and are working with many of these larger integrators that have a platform that you literally 
can use to harmonize all of your data and start to um, uh, you know gain insights from that data um, very very quickly um, overcoming as I mentioned before some of those challenges with with you know all of the the uh, the, the tech and and systems and the lack of of integration and harmonization that many companies are struggling with so there's lots of really good examples that cut across a lot of different industry sectors so and I, I just want to reinforce that the tech is ready. Even like five or six years ago, it would have been more difficult to do this. And companies that tried five or six years ago and maybe didn't get the uh, outcome they were expecting, uh, I would say uh, different situation today than it was five years ago. Um, so, and don't base, um, you know, sort of what you think is possible based on work you would have done four or five years ago, because the tech has just gone way, 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 is so much better today than it was just a few years back. It's amazing how rapidly it's developed. And if the shoe company is what the one that I'm thinking of, I am I'm hopelessly addicted. So, ah. uh, <laughs> um, so this uh, last question is more of a catch-all on any kind of advice that you haven't already mentioned that you would give to manufacturing leaders who are considering or currently undergoing a transformation journey. Yes, yes. So. Uh, I, I mentioned, and may, maybe I can pull together a number of things that, are, that I've already mentioned. Um, one of which is, uh, you know, obviously, you know, need to develop a strategy here, right? Um, so, starting with development of a strategy on what is it you're trying to to achieve, um, and I would say identifying those problems, you know, or opportunities that you haven't really been able to tackle without some of these digital capabilities and technologies is a place to start and look at both sides, right? Do you, are there problems you can't solve with your internal operations? Are there customer issues and challenges you haven't been able to solve? So really understanding, you know, we, we haven't talked a whole lot about, you know, sort of understanding your customer, their pain points of your customer and understanding how some of these digital technologies can help. But I would almost look at, I would look at it um, in two different ways. You got your ops, and the use of, of these digital technologies to improve your internal ops. And you have your, your customers um, and uh, the experiences and your products. Think about both of those uh, and understand what the, what the use cases might be. And then from there, you need to understand, okay, what are the capabilities? Um, you know, what, what, you know, let's look at our strengths. Uh, let's lever our strengths and then let's identify where the gaps are. Um, and let's, Go after those gaps. Let's start to remediate those gaps. And sometimes those gaps might be um, closed by an acquisition. It could be looking at an ecosystem partner that um, I would say partnering is is really important in starting to close those gaps. Or it may be you know working um, uh, whether you know working to to close those gaps uh, internally or with an outside advisor that's done it before. Uh, I would say. And then from there, um, you know, start. The key is move fast, uh, you know, test with customers uh, and, and on the internal side, it may be with employees, but have that human, you know, have the human at the center of this, uh, making sure that, uh, you know, what you're doing is really going to add value to the key stakeholders throughout the process. Um, I, I would say those are some of the things that I would, I would you know, focus on uh, as you think about a transformation. Jerry, that sounds like sound advice to me. Thank you so much for taking time to uh, speak with me and to be on the show. Absolutely. Enjoyed it, Catherine. Maybe we'll do it again sometime. 
I think so. I think there are a few more topics we could uh, definitely take on. Wonderful. Thank you, Catherine. Bye.